those of you who are just tuning in, this is Top Cocklips, the only podcast no, not. on the internet. This is Top Talk your Cocklips. I am your revered or irrelevant host, Josh Peterson, and I'm joined here by Big Dog. Oh, what's up, what's up? Yo, and the man with the stretchy pants. Stretchy pants. He's eating britches. He's eating britches. That's what I take to the buffet with me all the time. If you're heading to that buffet, you put those stretchy pants mm. on all the time. Speaking of buffets, best buffet you've ever had, where? Vegas. Oh. No, you got to be specific, yeah, though. Where in Vegas? Oh, that one, that For real? Fantasy Springs and... Uh, Palm Springs. And, and Palm Springs are good. Sounds like good. a good place to get dysentery. The one in Mandalay Bay is pretty good. Oh, it, was. it was good. You should go. It was really good. It's the best buffet. Yeah? Yeah. The best buffet? The best. <laughs> Do you consider Korean barbecue a buffet? No. Because it's it's all you can eat. Well, if it's called all you can eat if it's called a Korean barbecue buffet, then no, it's an all you can eat Korean barbecue. But, uh, wait, no, no, what makes the, up a buffet though? Do you have to have foods. Do you have to have like salad? Do you have to have a bunch of different options? What what constitutes I a buffet? It was unlimited. No, it's foods from around <laughs> the world. Like you know, fan, like even Chuck Chancy, they have. Is it unlimited food, or is it just a big choice of a lot of foods? Big choice of a lot of both. Food. Both. Both. Okay. Both. 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 Both of them. Both. Rocky, what are you staring at, man? Okay, what was your game? My game of the year was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. What was yours? Ooh. Uh. Of course, we're going to have a Topic Ocalypse award show. Yeah, yeah, no. I'd have to say, I, without thinking about it too hard, I'd have to say Senwa's Sacrifice is pretty good. Did you play it all the way through? I'm really close to the end right now. Yeah, it's so good, right? Yeah. It's vis- visually one of the best games. The way, it, yeah. the way they handle mental health in that game. I like how they had an entire team on staff. Yes. It was a big, it was a big they pointed it out really big. Oh, yeah. Right, right when you start the game. Yes. Anyways, what's up? Does it make you feel better? It does. Have they've acknowledged you now? Yeah. I, I feel like sequence. I'm not the minority anymore. It's this Sorry. really good board game. Yeah? Yeah. Well, okay, tell us about it. It's this board game where, like, you have, um, <sighs> you have, like, you have all these, like, cards, so you use two decks. Okay. Right? And you have, like, the same cards on there, and you got to, like, what you have on your hand, you can place it there, and you got to get five in a row, diagonal, cross, up and down. Okay. And you get sequence, and you get five of them. because you have them in a sequence. Yeah. Dang. Rocky, are you licking the couch, buddy? <laughs> Rocky, let's not do that, okay? <laughs> not unless you buy it dinner first. Speaking of mental health. See, you, okay, so Rocky. Rocky sleeps on my bed, and he'll put his face into the bed and so like he starts suffocating himself in the middle of the night because he's just, he just got a flat face and all, all of a sudden he'll wake up and <laughs> so you have a suicidal dog yeah like that yeah just like that he like doesn't know what he's doing i forgot how to breathe oh guys jeez it's spongebob i forgot how to sit down water i need is this the Krusty Krab? Pinky up. No, this is Patrick. This is Patrick. <laughs> Piggy! Piggy! <laughs> Higher! <laughs> I need some water! <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Can we say that shoes That's Josh from when he Texas sees a new video game. Dumb. I don't need it. I don't need it. I need it. <laughs> no, but for real, the civilization. Have you ever played that game from forever ago on Xbox? Uh, they just I, had Civilization yes. uh, 32. 6 come out on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, on the Switch? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's not on Xbox. Mm. Yeah. Although right now, I have to say uh, Red Dead's looking really good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea knows. Why? No, I oh, just know. Yeah, we play lots of video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to really? say, that really shocked the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it. We keep, keep it real, it. right? You Apparently keep it real. Board games and the card games. Oh, board mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Right. No joke. He never wants to bet me because he knows. That's true. Mm. Yeah, we do. Oh, another good game 2018 is uh, Giant Jenga. Giant Jenga? Yeah. Let's play that. I have one. Real quick, I just want to ask all the the ladies out there who asked for Joanna Gaines' book for Christmas. Are you actually gonna read that, or are you gonna put it on the coffee table next to the? Uh, oh no, it's it's giant on a, it's jar on a, sh- it's on a of, shelf of rocks right now. that you have, the giant jar of rocks, or the floating candles, or the uh, anything else that is aesthetically pleasing to you, but doesn't make any sense. Like is a that bunch where of, the book like is? Well, of well, I the think that um, I'm gonna put it next to. Um, I have a little lamp. A little lamp. Um, it's got shiplap behind it, and it's got a telephone by it, and there's a dog sitting wow. by it right now, and it just looks so nice. We should all plan a trip to Magnolia, and then we'll get to meet oh, them personally. They will come oh out. They will gosh. come out of their farm, and they will meet us personally. We'll all of us. We'll no. Yes. <laughs> and they will. They will know, and they will. Love us, well, and then we'll wear their skin. Mine went on my very eclectic coffee table. Okay. Very eclectic. Yeah, and next to... Uh, we don't have a coffee table. I oh, the secret's out. Cat's uh, out of the bag. I want to know why you asked for that book for Christmas. Um, well, I'm a big, uh, big Joanne Gaines fan. <laughs> yeah, what's their show called? Interior Design! Interior Design! <laughs> it's the with Chip, and they do... Yeah, what's, the, what's it called? Houses in Texas. Yeah, what's it called? It's in Waco. What's it, it called? Is it Flipping Texas? Or no. Is, show? is it no. Chippendale? It's where you flip what? Texas Chippendale. upside down. <laughs> Chippendale? Chippendale? No, they're selling, they're selling something completely different. Chippendale yeah. Rescue Rangers. Uh, <laughs> is it Magnolia Construction? You no. si- sound a little like no. a dude. Uh, Please tell me you know what the show is called. No, I don't know what the show is no, called. No, I'm talking to Chelsea. No. Uh-huh. Trading spaces, you know what it is? right? Trading oh, spouses. It's that show in Hawaii when they build those like teepee things. Home nope. hunters, nope. house hunters, nope. flipping houses, right? No, <gasps> flipping houses, property. The Joanna brothers. Gaines and Chip Gaines That's show. Property is Brothers, Fixer, right? It's called Fixer Upper. Uh, no, we're all just. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that the name. Oh, okay. Sorry, watch HGTV much. <laughs> It is on at the Peterson household twenty four seven. What about the Property Brothers? Is that the show? That's with the tw- twins, right? That's with uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Well, they're all the same show. They are all the same show. Jeez. Okay, albums of the year. Albums of the year. Albums of the year. Albums of the year. Under Oath. Oh. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> okay. Um, not Under Oath. No. Who? Who? Album of the year? Yeah. Uh, ooh, I would have 
to say Pine Grove is probably up. There. Ooh, dang. Skylight? Yeah, Pine Ooh, Grove. Um, the Foxing. <sighs> Near My God. That song is fantastic. Pretty dang good. Pretty dang good. Mm, um, good. Mm-hmm. The Valley Heart goes up there. Okay. Um, I got my list here. You want to hear? I have no idea what the oh, fuck he's been saying this whole a, time. I don't know who the any of those people a, are. There's a www.something plug coming on here. Okay. So I got a Treyu in our wake. Mm. Okay. Okay. Bears Den Islands. Wow. Sounds like a gay club. <laughs> <laughs> camp. <laughs> I, I got Camp. Their side A EP. I got Casey, Where I Go When I'm Sleeping. Okay. I got Coheed and Cambria, The Unheavenly Creatures. Of course. Corey Wells, End of a Good Thing, How to Tear Apart the Ones You Love. Okay. Relatable. Death of Anna, <laughs> Rituals. No. Good band. Father, Son, Some of All Your Parts. Absolutely fantastic. Foxing, Nearer My God. Ooh. God of War soundtrack. Okay. Hope's Fall, Arbiter. Okay, Hope's Fall, shout out to Adam Morgan. New Year Memorial, I'll See You Tonight Wherever You Are. Ooh, deep. Pine Grove, Skylight. What's up? Thrice Palms. All right. Gotta mm, give Dustin mm-hmm. Kendrew. Valley Heart, everyone I've ever loved. Okay. And last but not least, the Young Hearts. Honestly, I'm just thinking. You know what? What about Young Ghosts? They're all right. <laughs> 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 They're probably listening to this. They're thing. all right. I'm gonna. I'm shocked actually that you did not have As I Lay Dying out there. They didn't put out an Ooh. album. They just put out a single. They did drop us the, one of the great singles of the year. Yeah, dropped the single. The single. My own grave is fantastic. The single was where it was at, though. Fantastic. It was so good. That was the best. Um, the best. The best. The best. Best. So do you think they'll put out an album in 2019? I hope so. or 2019? They sold out like every show they did. Sold out. Best book you read this year. Fifty Shades of Grey. No, oh yeah, you know it. No, Justin's bad. little Fifty Shades Freed over there. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty, Fifty Shades of Fritos. Fifty Shades of Fritos. Fifty Shades of Fritos. That's where I'm. Typical at. fat guy answer. Yeah. Um. F- ooh, favorite book that I've read. This. You have read yeah. books, right? Yeah, I have a lot of them. Not the pop up ones. Yeah. Pic- no. They have to have words, not they pictures. Have words. Okay. Not just pictures. Okay. To her, to the, the, hip, hip hop, hip hop anonymous. I give him all the easy ones. Um. Okay. That's 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 semi simple and easy. Really? Because you're taking a long time to answer <laughs> this know, question. Like, no, I want I you to. Think what's what's good? I've read so many. I've oh. Read, I've literally read so. I've read many. so many. Is so stuck many leather-bound books pops in your brain They've from shelves made of rich mahogany. <laughs> rich mahogany. Let me look at my phone where I quote. All right, Chelsea. And don't say the Bible. That's a cop out. I haven't read the whole Bible actually, so I can't say that. Oh, we have. Um. Several I'm not times. a reader, so. Nothing. No, not, not even an audiobook. Harry Potter. Nothing. Never seen a movie. I'm wait, sorry. A movie. That should be your New Year's resolution right, is so to watch only, Harry Potter. The only person here who's actually written books. Uh, what did your favorite book you read? Wait, no, I got one. No, you're too late. No, I got one. All right. No, you're too late. To apologize. Understanding the economic <laughs> inequality of gophers during the American Revolution and how it relates to the uh, Southern Baptist Church. During the 1922 
Great Depression movement. Is this it? Yeah, they were depressed. Yeah. They, were, they were depressed because the beavers. Yeah, is the that it? All the yeah. wood, the yeah. beavers. <laughs> the great beaver shortage. <laughs> <laughs> the, great, the great beaver famine. There's two books that have really stood out. Okay. Three books actually. Or two, oh, books. Oh. two books. Three or two. I get two. Okay. Is I just finished the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay. Which is the that? That's a, a new thing, right? It just came out this year. No, it actually. Uh, it's actually a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> epic. And by a yeah. long time ago, he means like September 1st. I actually think yeah. they made a movie about it. And then the other it's book was The Idolatry of God by Peter Rawlings. Oh, mm. I oh. thought that was uh, classic. What did you like about this book? Uh, it broke away from the norms and it really defined things that um, I say the, the church is too afraid to define <coughs> for real. So I, I like his take on a lot of stuff. All right. Fair enough. The idea of the uh, creatio ex nihilo, nihilo. Yeah, well, you want to go into detail about uh, what that is? The something from nothing. Mm. So you have this idea that, like, I think that my job's gonna make me better. I think that this having this is gonna make me better, which things based off of jealousy. When in reality, you know, you believe something was, you know, is gonna make you better, but. You don't know that because you're creating something out of like nothing. You don't have any experience. You don't have that. And it's not actually going to, you know, could actually make you worse over better. I dig. That's it. Yeah. That's all I got. It's your book. That's Big Dog, what do you got, man? Uh, one of my favorite, well, there's a series. I read a s- series of books. Uh, it's uh, Frontlines by. Is that, is that the one we were listening to in your car? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's uh, by Marco Close. Uh, it's really good. It's, it's a it's a sci-fi series kind of. It's but it's based off of real life experiences. He, the author was in the military, so a lot of the stuff in the book is very authentic okay. about the military. Uh, that was good. And then I read uh, uh, History of the Celts. The Celts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I found that really interesting. Just to, I like to read about people who aren't around anymore. That no one ever really seems to care to think about that's a lot of people yeah that's a lot of people that's nice yeah. tell me about the history of the Celts oh just how they wanted to create uh, they wanted to unite all peoples in pretty much what is modern western Europe it, they wanted to create it into one one nation okay so that's why the Celts were so far spread because they were just they weren't all like ethnically Celts but culturally they were Celts because they were conquered by the Celts. And then the Romans came and screwed everything up. That's what the Romans did best. Hashtag right. Celt Lives Matter. Yeah, Celt Lives Matter. Yeah. There's some kind of movement coming on. With yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. There's they, not a lot of souls there. They used to block the uh, royal roads yeah, with uh, their signs and stuff. <laughs> Whenever the king had to get to work on time, they <laughs> blocked the roads. Man, you're on fire tonight. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Captain Modern Times is in full swing. Captain <laughs> oh, <laughs> Modern Times. Oh, I didn't know you were uh, coming hot with the uh, with the Daniel references there. <laughs> what do you think Someone of the? Has to. What do you think of the idea that Charlemagne populated most of Ireland? Uh, he was he was he got around. Yeah. They Absolutely. say like eighty percent of Irish people are yeah. have can be traced back to Everybody Charlemagne. Everybody can just about trace their uh, their ancestry back to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, to Charlemagne for sure, though, like that's a given. Does he have really small ears? Especially in like the, in the in the British Isles and everything. Mm. Mm. 
Uh, and Latin, yeah, Northern France. It's so. actually you can be part of the uh, the Charlemagne Society. It's um, I think it's like a thousand bucks to do the uh, application, and then it's another thousand. What bucks. What are the uh, What are the perks of being part of the Charlemagne you Society? Nice, you get a very, very, very nice piece of paper. That's very, very, very nice. Very nice. Some like five hundred dollar yearly uh, dues dues into the the thing. What is this? Yeah. What does it get you, you get besides though? a piece of paper? You, you get, get discounts you get, at Burger like the, King, like or how does this work? Is it? Yeah, you get nothing. You get nothing. They have some cool ritual to get you. You just say that Charlemagne slept with one of my ancestors. Is that the? Yeah. Okay. All right. They give out. They give out pins that say I got boned. Bunch of hockey players <laughs> come out to the farm <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Tops off, boys. A couple of hockey players come out to the produce stand. A couple of hockey players come out to the produce stand the Look other day. Look at that day. fucking treasure trail. Wait, so Ryan Seacrest is anonymous? No, that's Keith Urban. Yeah. You can find the one that Ryan Seacrest is on so we can watch him give... Uh, no, I was just asking. Well, I mean, we can watch him give high fives to blind people again. Jeez. I saw the one where the guy... It wasn't Ryan Seacrest, but I saw the guy who tried to shake the guy with no arms in his hand. No. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest, he literally goes in for the high five to the blind guy, and he's just like... Oh no! <laughs> How so embarrassing! He, like, he, like grabbed his hand and shook it to like, yeah. Someone gonna propose right now? Yeah, probably. Is that Nicole Kidman? Yes. It is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, hey! I knew I wanted to watch this. Look, he's putting his hands all over Keith Urban's wife. Living is Josh, he he's living Josh's fantasy. Oh, jeez. He's living Josh's fantasy. Jeez. Oh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fight this guy. I don't know who he is, but... Wait, I feel like she's taller than him. She might be. She's definitely she's more so attractive. Is. Taller than Keith Urban? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was taller than Tom Cruise. What? When they were together. How does she stay so attractive for so long? I don't know. She's pretty. Lots she, of doctors, dude. Oh, my gosh. Is that better? <laughs> your face is crooked. Oh, is that better? Your skin is hanging off your bones. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Who is that guy? Oh, luckiest man in the world. Oh. Jeez, look at that. That's a very, yeah. very seductive <laughs> pose. Oh my. Oh hey. Boots. With the <laughs> boots. What the fur? Do you think they told her to do that pose? Oh, who knows? Yeah. Oh she's dang. She's. Oh yeah, cameras. we had to switch cameras. Hey. Hey. <laughs> That's going to be on the news tomorrow. It sure is. <laughs> Where's John Legend? <laughs> There's your G rating right there. Chris is flashing You're the camera. Just keeping it family friendly. <laughs> She's like laying on this couch with her legs all over the place. This, this Panic yeah. in the Disco, she knows what she's doing. I'm glad I missed it. Me too. <laughs> Who's this? No idea. Yeah. It's Brandon Yuri. No, it's not, but might as well be, right? He clearly in, wants to be in, Brandon in, Yuri. In your, in your mind, it is? Yeah. Oh, looks like I'm back. Any oh, white person with a uh, slick back hair is Brandon Yuri to me. Anybody has an undercut? Yeah. What about the overcut? No, it's over. It's over. Got mm. it. Mm. Favorite beer for the year? I didn't Stop. even tell you my favorite book. Oh, Jeez, you're go. skipping me. Sorry, favorite book. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Uh, oh, crap. I'm sounding like a horrible friend right now. Everybody Sucks or something? That's my book. Congratulations, you suck. Congratulations, you suck. That's my book. Yeah. Everybody doesn't suck. Shout out. Yeah, special shout out. Coming soon. 
Uh, my favorite book I read this year. I Josh tells everybody. It's true. I haven't read a lot of books this year, but I did enjoy two. I liked um, Lolito by Ben Brooks about this kid who finds out he's in high school, finds out his girlfriend cheated on him. So he meets his mom in a chat room. Then he goes and meet her in real life, and they have all the uh, you know the fun that you're not supposed to have. And then uh, the mom gets arrested, and the kids tries to like he doesn't understand like why life doesn't work that way. It's such an interesting, interesting plot. But anyways, um, <laughs> interesting choice, my friend. <laughs> no, because the I mean, it just it, it examines like your mind is all over the place when you're in high school, so you don't understand like the consequences of the world. I believe Adam Sandler did a like, movie about that. Did he? Did he? Uh, uh, you're my boy. This With episode is brought to you by Vitabrace, high-performance gamer wristbands by Miracle Fruit Oil. Big Dog, you and I play a lot of video games. Yes, we do. You ever find yourself in positions where your, your hands get cramped and you just you, you need a break, you got to get up? Yes. Okay, well, it just so happens that Miracle Fruit Oil, they made these bracelets right here. And what it's supposed to do is increase circulation in your wrist. It makes you less tired, less fatigued, less sore and stiff. Uh, it's... It's supposed to give you more endurance, grip, strength, range of motion, uh, mobility, stability, better manual dexterity, coordination, and precision movements. I've been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts, and it has helped. It has made it so, because, you know, I spend a lot of time working on computers, doing video games, stuff like that. It does help. You know, it kind of eases uh, eases the pain a little bit, or I feel it less, I mean, when I do it without it. You don't really notice it until you take the bracelet off. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, Vitabrace is powered by nature. It contains miracle fruit seed oil, a rare and natural oil that comes from the seed of the healthy miracle fruit berry. The wristband is capable of delivering the oil to your wrist for four to six months of daily use. The combination of compression, uh, occlusion, and unique oil provides several benefits. If you're interested in getting your own miracle fruit Vitabrace wristband, visit their website today at www.miraclefruitoil.com and use promo code MEDIA10 at checkout for $10 off your next purchase. But that's no, my boy. That oh, like that was he's funny. the father, right? Huh? That one was like funny, though. No, I know, but it's about a kid in high school who sleeps with his teacher. No, and but is having a kid. I mean, it's just it's. But this is his mom. It's no, interesting. A mom. It's interesting A-mom. because, like, you know, you're you you watch these like from an from an oh, objective A-mom. point, and you're kind of watch you watch like not you, his own mom. Like that. In high school, you don't understand why that stuff happens. You know why there's rules, why we can't do this, why we can't do that. So it's just an interesting. Like perspective on that kind of thing, but uh, my other favorite book was Recovery by Russell Brand. Ooh, yeah, you talked about that a lot. Yeah, it was kind of like I went into it not with a uh, a specific addiction, but kind of just looking for a new way of thinking. But it kind of showed like, hey, I am addicted to distractions. You know, I I can't anytime I uh, you know want to start reflecting on myself, like I always look for other things to do. So like, as long as I have this to do list to go through. I won't have to worry about my own problems. It's just an interesting, uh, I don't know, just kind of digging into it. And it's weird because when you, like, even reading, like, Jordan Peterson's book, you read these books and you start trying to apply these things to your own life, and your mind gets so comfortable in the way that you're living that it actually starts fighting back against you and start trying to apply these things. Yeah, it's more because you have the, like, the set, the set methods, you know? Right. And Jordan Peterson comes up and it's just, like, kills the game. Yeah. Hey, Dad, come here. I feel like this is this was the you could call this the year of the podcast. It is the year of the podcast. So we took a took the podcast to a, a new level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a seat. Tell us about tell us your thoughts on Jordan Peterson and Russell Brand because we're just discussing their books. 
Did you listen to their podcast together? I did. I listened to both of them. See, Russell Brand is the guy, the book you you read recently. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Watched through. I don't know a lot about Russell Brand. I want to read his book. Jordan Peterson is a phenomena. Uh, became famous principally on standing up to the social justice warriors in their attempts to uh, regulate speech in, a, in the Canadian political environment and became a hero, uh, which put him in front of a lot of people. He's extremely intelligent. He's uh, a background in psychology, child psychology, but he's very well versed in, in, in history, uh, logic, literature, uh, and he can talk for a long time, but he, he, he can to keep you listening. He knows a lot about a lot of things, though, and that's yeah, uh, the impressive yeah. thing about him. What, well, what do you think of people who say that, like, he's, uh, what, what's the, there's a, a word for it, where, like, he is too into uh, research that hasn't been completely proven? Like fringe research? Well, well, that's what people accuse him of, is that they say he bases a lot of the stuff that he writes on um, theoretical, theoretical the- stuff. Well, there are a lot of things that, that can't be completely proven. I think that he makes a case that's compelling. To have something that's that's proven is uh, is really a scientific statement. And if it's based, for instance, a lot of a lot of psychological studies, a lot of studies that he's been involved with, they're based on statistics, which will tell you that a, that a correlation exists beyond any reasonable mathematical doubt, but it doesn't fully explain why the correlation exists. It's still real. So I, I basically, I say they're just people that are run out of arguments to make against him, and they have to come up with something to yeah, that's the, seem that's, believable. That's the number one thing. Like, when they can't, like, they have nothing to say back to you, they're like, well, that's that's bad research, or that's, uh, you know, that's incomplete. You don't have enough evidence for that, when in reality you have all the evidence, but they just don't know what to say, and they haven't well, gone down that road. So there's a philosopher, I was telling you about this, Peter Rollins was talking about this guy. And there's a philosopher that had talked about uh, Jordan Peterson saying that, like, hey, both he was he was wrong or no, he was right and he was wrong. And so was the reporter that was like getting all irrational, saying he was she was right and she was also wrong because he's talking about like the how like, uh, you know, liberals get all upset about stuff. But he says there it's important to recognize the urgency in which they try to present their the issues that they care so much about, like. Maybe the things do need to be recognized, but not they don't need to be recognized in the way that they are currently recognized. Like maybe yeah, they're things that should be considered, but they shouldn't be considered at the you know, at the cost of overrunning the media or throwing it in somebody's face or constantly putting it out there and everything. Yeah, or putting out material that's either wrong or entirely biased to present. Yeah, well, it's the desperation in which yeah. they do it. Okay, yeah. so does desperation justify anything? There, there are two perspectives. Now, of course, I have a libertarian view of a lot of things just by, by way of stating biases, but uh, they are either fully committed to their cause yeah. and feel desperate that, that it's basically tribalism right now is winning out over globalism. They've had their day, and it's slipping away, and it's slipping away all around the world. Right. It's still maybe at a tipping point, but I, I don't think there's there's that much hope of the of the uh, globalist, you know, prevailing at this point. So they they either feel that deeply about something and it's slipping away, or in a lot of cases, these are people who have benefited greatly by a particular system. I mean, and I'm talking e- economics and power, and that's slipping away from them. 
so so uh, th those are two reasons to be desperate. One one's just being incorrect, and the other one's being malevolent. Okay, I mean, so where do you th where do you see this whole battle going in 2019? You think we're looking for a turnaround, or like this is going to die down, or you think it's going to get worse? No, it'll it'll it'll, it'll get more intense. The the people involved with it have a great deal to le to lose. Right. Uh, so you have really two situations. You have what's going on in in America, where I think uh, the the left, which has really taken over the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is a completely different thing, pretty much. It's a lot of I, decentralization, though, right? Like, they've been, they're coming undone a lot. Even, well, even the Republicans are coming well, undone, Well, the Republicans too, like have it. always been more or less two parties that kind of masquerade as one party to right. get along with each other. The, the Democrats are, have been completely taken over by the fringe uh, globalist side uh a side of their of their of their membership, uh, <laughs> so no, I th I think they'll they'll double down on everything they're doing. It'll get it'll get more intense. The rhetoric will be worse, but the uh, the uh, around the rest of the world, Europe's what you're really going to see coming coming unraveled. In what ways? Uh, the the globalists will lose. There, okay. Italy, France is on the verge of revolution. Uh, the the European Union is going to continue to, to the whole Brexit thing still going on. Uh, yeah, three, uh, Theresa May she just barely uh, slipped by with a vo almost a vote of no confidence. Yeah, over, and the, over the whole deal, the the mass immigration, which is is not it has nothing to do with humanitarian reasons. They've had a very low birth rate. They're trying to reproduce a a workforce by importing it, but the people they're importing will never assimilate into their society. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, the the native populations are recognizing that the people in Eastern Europe have already s stopped the process. And yeah, they saw that and they've uh, shut that down real quick. Absolutely, Hungary being the, the big, but but the others also Poland. Uh, yeah, and <clears throat> and they've actually started going through the, these these what were communist or fringe communist countries. They're going through a rechristianization process, while the Western Europe countries are going through a dechristianization process. It's really pretty interesting. What, okay, so I know last year the petrodollar was in trouble. Do you see that yeah, happening? It's still, still going to. Yeah, yeah, Russia. Uh, yeah, the the significance of the U.S. dollar as we continue to generate more and more debt and it's basically it's monetization. But uh, yeah, yeah. That, that we're going to gradually lose that position. How how long do you think till that happens, and how is that going to affect us? It would, it would crumble the dollar. It would be virtually worthless. Right? I, if it happened real quickly, but I, 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 the other, these other currencies have a lot of problems too. Everything that we say, you know, we do in terms of government spending and, 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 uh, uh, debasing our currency, China does the same thing. They probably do it even worse. Mm -hmm. So if, if everybody else was, uh, on a, a different, a different path, then it would crumble it. But, but you have to look at what it's. Everybody's it's, circling yeah. the drain. Everybody's yes. circling the drain. It's a race to the bottom. Yes. Yeah. That's why they picked our currency in the first place, because it was the one that was the worthless dollar that was worth the most. It's also, our currency's always been pretty volatile, though. Like, it's... Yeah, so have the others. goes up and yeah. down pretty quick. We, we, were, we became that, uh, what, Bretton Woods at the... Did yeah, I say that right, Justin? The, yeah, the Bretton Woods Agreement, 1944. Yeah. Um, and the IMF was created. We were the last one standing. Mm. 
and at the time. Was, yeah, that was a terrible, terrible thing. The the people that ultimately win wars are the ones that don't enter them at all, or the ones that enter them last. And we entered World War One last. Never should have entered it at all. Yeah. And we entered World War Two last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. FDR got his thing though. We just watched Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and it's just right where he. Brand moved. new movie just came out. Yeah. Se <laughs> September. He yeah. moved his uh, moved the fleet to Hawaii when it shouldn't have been there in the first place. Well, it was safe and sound in San Diego. Safe and sound. It's a little bit off topic. Just uh, the, the interesting point that I've, I've heard talked about. Well, Dick Morris brought it up from a, a book that was recently published. Uh, FDR didn't have any intention to fight Japan. It was just a. Uh, uh, he went to Europe, left Dean Ashew in charge, who uh, suspended all the exports to Japan. And uh, Japan was completely dependent on, ex on things imported from us at the time. U.S. oil. And, and a lot of other commodities, but yeah. definitely oil. They didn't have any oil. We, we nope. created them pretty yeah. much. <laughs> and Ashew stopped, stopped all exports. And then when FDR realized what he did, he didn't want to reverse it for fear of losing face. Mm -hmm. So there's really a whole strange bunch of things that led led to that. So it could have been prevented. Well, the Jap in, the war in the Pacific sure could have been prevented if we did if if we'd limited what we provided Japan in the first place, they never would have became the strong regional power they were. And when we entered the war, they'd already pretty much well, lost in China. So they, it was just kind of a they had isolationist policies for a long time, though, didn't they? Well, yeah, but they exploded. They took the Philippines. They took yeah. a lot of China, coastal China. Taiwan, all the all that stuff. Uh, Japan had a problem. Uh, the, the all these Asian countries had uh, a massive birth rate, but they also they're going up to so the late eighteen hundreds. But they also had a very low life expectancy. I think China was twenty seven years in the late eighteen hundreds. And uh, so, but these other countries were able to export their people other places. Mm -hmm. Japan had this busting population, and the population, the life expectancy increased mainly by importing. Uh, Which is funny because that's the opposite of their problem right now. Yeah, but but it, it increased <laughs> real dramatically, mainly by sanitation, sanitation practices, and basic mm. basic medical practices. Well, we uh, brought that. I we mean, brought that. that was, yeah, uh, the European or the Western civilization brought that to them. Right. But, but Japan couldn't get rid of their excess population. They were bursting, and they they needed a way. To, essentially, they needed some place to offload the people, but they couldn't do it. And now it's well, yeah. exactly the opposite. Well, that was because, well, that's, well. China had the same problem, but the Chinese came here. The Chinese came here. Yeah. Yeah. The Japanese did. They the just, Japanese had no. They way just to sat get, on that island and just. They were they were stuck. Yeah. They had no way to get rid of the population. Yeah. And there was not really a whole lot of trade stuff value in in Japan. Everything was in China. It, it was, and basically, this what they had was just was just labor, which never develops internal. And market. China had that in spades. Yeah, they did. So there was no need to yeah. go to Japan. Right. What um, I was just laughing because Justin's getting in trouble for looking at the screen because of much. <laughs> very very strange. <laughs> anyway. Um. Okay. So real quick, 2018 has been a big year in terms of religion. Mm hmm. Okay, what are uh, where, where do you see? Because we, we've all kind of hit that point. We've we've talked about we talked about the future of the church. We've all had some issues. <clears throat> where do you where do you think the you, from your opinion? I mean, we've been reading Peter Rollins, a lot, a lot of different a lot of different authors on this topic. In your opinion, where what does the future of religion look like? What does the future of the church look like? Where's all this stuff going? I yeah, I don't. It's very hard to say. The the liturgical churches. Which made up the uh, 
the backbone of Christianity in this country are all but dead. But you got these big mega churches all over the place. Churches, which basically grew out of fundamentalism. Which, which One of the dogs turned, fart? Was there a dog fart? Rocky? Yeah, it must be. Uh, so so they, they basically grew out of the Puritan culture over, over the course of two or three hundred years. And they're, I hope I don't, I, I don't know, I might offend somebody, but they're basically, a lot of these places are, are businesses. And they operate like businesses. Well, because there was a movement uh, f- with small churches, right? What is Francis Chan said that you should go open up smaller churches, right? Sm- yeah. Open up house churches. Yeah. And these house churches have turned into small churches. And now it seems to me that these small churches are just, it's a cycle. These small churches now want to be big mega churches. Sure, sure. And some of them are just small businesses for different people running the church in a lot of cases. Right, yes. right. But everyone uh, wants yes. to make yeah. money. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I think the church is really kind of in crisis. And another, another factor is... The people that contribute to churches are largely older. Yeah. The congregation is or not. That's the way the economics has worked out. Um, it's it's a real interesting discussion. I can't. I, I won't give a you know solid prediction, but uh, it, it's it would be very interesting over the next twenty or thirty years to see what the Christian church looks like or how big a Christian church there is. Right. Do you think we could see the rise of new religions? Not all, not all together. New religions, things that derive from something. You might, you might have. You think, know, do you think that like think religions like, will like evolve into different things? Think like theist religions, like God-centered religions, could pop up something new. I don't think they'd have a lot of appeal. Uh, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but I, I don't think they'd draw too many people to them. Hmm. I think it would have to be something that evolves out of Christianity or potentially Judaism. And, and like you mentioned, uh, Rawlings' books, there are. Reform movements in the uh, you know in the Christian Church, but doctrinally, in, in his case, there there's some pretty big gaps between what he sees and what what exists in church structure right now. And in, in well, current church structure is extremely isolating and ostracizing, though. That's why a lot of people have issue with it. And like uh, you know, Gospel Coalition put out an article saying that a lot of young people are now going to. Um, you know they're get they're they're not going to churches anymore, and they're getting their their dose of like spiritual nourishment from from podcasts and books and stuff like yeah. that, mm-hmm. and also like uh, offering has gone down significantly in churches because people have uh, you know younger people are saying why don't I just give money right to the source you know instead of having them why am I gonna don't give mo- why am I gonna give offering to a church that's gonna you know invest it in a million dollar fireplace. Yeah, the spending for these capital campaigns is, is uh, I have a lot of trouble with that. I think a lot of people do. Uh, if, if somebody is only going to go to church because they like the bathroom or like the carpet in the in the sanctuary, and that's weird because they probably shouldn't go to church. They right, but I mean, statistics show that a lot of people will only return to certain churches if the bathrooms are uh, nice, though, well, and that's I a know, weird thing. I know that's, there have been studies like that, but I think they come out of. Uh, they generally come out of Christian colleges or seminaries, and I really, uh, I really got to question them. You know, they, you, you can do a lot of things with bad surveys. Maybe they're true. If they're true, it really says a lot bad about the population in the church and the population outside the church. Yeah, that was that was one thing on Sunday at church. They actually focalized. They got their bathrooms redone and up and working, and they're like, "Oh, we got new bathrooms!" And everyone like cheered like it was. Yeah. You know. so they were making everyone go in pot, porta potties. 
Yeah, but it was just it was just interesting because it was like it was funny. Oh man, it's just interesting though. It's the way it's it's become like it's our church. I know like the younger group was actually the ones giving more. Um, and then like we we went to uh, it was a house church. What's that church called? The Garden. The Garden. Yeah, which is based off of what they have set. Oh, Rock Harbor. Rock Harbor, but it was interesting because the congregation was. Maybe you know, like early thirties down to like college, le- college age, like right. uh, like nineteen, maybe. Yeah. And it was just like it was a brand new atmosphere. It was kind of like there possibly ke- could be like a rebirth in actual um, actual Christianity, as opposed to breaking away from this, you know, this breed that just wants the you know the corporate churches. Corporate Christianity—that's a big thing. I, 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 what I'd like to see happen is for the church. You can't, ha- you can't have a, a church that doesn't have some co- core belief system. But it doesn't need to include. It doesn't pro- probably doesn't need to be as broad as it is. Like Christianity in the South was always based on a small core belief system, whereas the Northern Puritan Christianity was based she on a doctoral definition of everything. And that's kind of where we're at now. I, I think churches need to be more. Uh, open to having intellectual discussions on uh <laughs> hey, Ragnar's eating the microphone. <laughs> they, they need to be more open to have, having intellectual discussions and not assume that everybody in there is either that uh, comes through the church or comes in contact with it is either ignorant or lazy or, or someone who's just like Rawlings refers to him as a trickster. Right. Well, here's the thing that I've learned in my experience in church employment is that churches don't like to be questioned about things. They don't like because that anytime people start to question their practices, that's the beginning of how of them losing power. You know, and you get they don't they don't want to be discredited because that might make people question them. This is something that I think is fairly new, too, because I did not see this when I was growing up in church. The. The staff of the church, the pastor, is considered or tends to consider himself as the as the uh, the village wise man, and people are not to question not not to question that. And there's right. the other factor too is I think they like to uh, they they budget their time, and if they have someone that's uh, questioning, promoting discussion, that person becomes a time sucker. Yeah, and they don't want to spend time on the time sucker. Oh, I mean, that's a majority of churches that have bad Yelp reviews have someone talking about something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all very interesting. Justin, you just got in, uh, what? Not in trouble, but someone was talking to you about something, right? You did something. Oh, I know. I just, it was. What'd you do? Made, what did you a, do? I, What's I in the box? Comment, yeah, I made a comment on, on Facebook, which you know, I just it was it was open into thought about you know what justifies a a history comment versus like you know like trying to justify something that was non-existent or or what's you know false history, and you know even if you're in front of a, a you know congregation, it doesn't it doesn't okay anything to. You know, say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm all about the history and then kind of preach on stuff that wasn't real and kind of like heroically proving that the the church in general was the hero of life. Okay. You know, like they <laughs> they single-handedly paved the way for uh, for God to move mountains. Um, when in reality, you can see the history of the church in America has not been 
anywhere close to that, and nothing's been based off of a moral crusade rather than, uh, well, money. So something that almost nobody realized, and I did, did a lot of research to get this, in Europe, Marxism, communism, socialism, all the isms came up as a response to the church, as an opposing voice. In America, the progressivism, which is our version of kinder general socialism, was developed in the church. It came from the church throughout the 1800s and kind of split ways after about 1920, but that, it, that's, it's a completely different scenario than what you see in, in Europe. Mm. I don't think it necessarily split ways, though, right now. I mean, I'm kind of seeing like a whole bunch of stuff that follows exactly what it's, that, that... It's a mixed bag. That, well, the New England communal, um, yeah. the communal living, the communal like church... It's um, you're right. It's 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 a mixed bag. You kind of have both traditions in the, in the Puritanism has kind of had a ripple effect though. That's you know echoed across time a little bit. They, they got what they wanted. You know, if you read the City on the Hill speech, he's basically they follow that to the T. Well, Hawthorne, we were talking about this yeah. right. Nathaniel yeah, Hawthorne yeah. made fun of he made fun of Puritanism in the same way that uh, Dante Alighieri made fun of uh, Catholicism in Dante's yeah. Inferno. And so, so, did, so, so did Edgar Allan Poe. And I was, but the interesting thing about Nathaniel Hawthorne, he was the Yankee. And when I say Yankee, I'm talking about someone of Puritan descent, Anglo-Saxon Puritan descent, not just a generic term for somebody from north of Mason-Dixon, for example. Right, yeah. Um, their, their, uh, their, view, which, their, their view of God changed continually but they're uh, ultimately they're they 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 saw themselves as bringing about the millennial kingdom. It was it was not internally focused. It was externally focused. Right. Yeah. The the idea of making way for yeah for God on earth, and it's the preordained people that can do it. And that's where the uh, premillennial, postmillennial, premillennial classifications in Christianity come from. It's also where the, the <laughs> term fundamentalist came from. Yeah. The pushback against that. Nah, it's, it's... Yeah, Ragnar got embarrassed just now. Yeah, <laughs> poor Ragnar, but he's staring oh, at Oh, buddy. Did he fart again? <laughs> Rocky. So do you, th do you see any change <laughs> happening with this? You think more people are, are coming out of the matrix, so to speak? Oh, what would really, I, yeah, I'm not sure, but what would, really, what would really do it is if you had enough intelligent people getting into a discussion or thinking about, these, thinking about these topics. One thing that Jordan Peterson does, and I want to call his presentations Christian, I want to call them anti-Christian, for, for people to take the time to look at it, he engages them in a thought, in a, in a, so they think, right. as opposed to just taking a side and trying to defend it. Yeah. yeah. Well, because, you know, we talked about this before, like religion without question is, is a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I think they need to take the time to, to study the actual history and, you know, not like this mythical creature that they've, you know, concocted in the back of history books. But like the actual thing, like go back to the, the sages and the rabbis, like kind of, I'd say almost leave the letters of Paul alone. Like right. they've, they've beat those, you know, over beat and over again. And pieces, they've, yeah. they, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you go back to what basically is referred to as like the wisdom or like without, 
without creation or without creation of the Torah being accepted, it would have, you know, everything else would have crumbled because it would have been worthless. So that was a common consensus even said that in, uh, you know, in the Bible there. But I think they explored that more and went back to like Mamodis and, uh, and all this, the great sages and explored creation more, which had all the same themes and concepts that, uh, you know, the letters of Paul has, except in better form and a better, uh, better kind of lessons they could, you could revive the foundation and start from there as opposed to kind of trying to rebuild from where we're at because I don't think there's really a point in the church now where you could rebuild starting from this point. Well, everyone's so comfortable in their beliefs, though, and it's like it's a whole concept of like, hey, if I go to church on Sunday, if I pray before each meal or before I go to bed, I'm guaranteed my salvation, and I don't have to give a crap about anybody else. And that's the mindset. It's the God formula. You know, all, all visions of the future are based on some sort of understanding of the past. So it's important to understand it. But, but okay, so why do, why do people do that? Well, there, there are a couple of reasons that, right off the hand. One is, one is laziness, and the, and the other is just it's kind of hubris. Like, uh, uh, I don't want to consider that I might not fully understand something. I'm going to push back. I have my answer, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's, <clears throat> well, it's a whole thing, too. Like, it, uh, I don't know, it, maybe it's just me, but Christianity feels like an exercise in numbness. It's, yeah, like, people, it's supposed to be this, this, this big thing where you, le- you learn to feel and experience your, your true self. You find your identity, but at the same time, the church discourages you from, from anger, from sadness, from really anything that might cause you to, to experience what you're supposed to be experiencing. You know, it's like you do this, this, and this. You read this book, sit in this coffee shop, buy these leather shoes. You, uh, you know, listen to this Hillsong album. That's all. That, all you need, you know. It's the uh, like, uh, what's the um, the Peter Rollins talks about this in his book, where he has the gap with the cross in the middle, saying yeah. the church is say, saying you can achieve salvation if you do this, this, and this. So in that sense, faith becomes a work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, that was laid out though. The, the Nike conference, they did. Yeah. They they tried to make sure that that was the case though. Yeah. Like they through. Paul, and that's why Paul's letters were used so often is because they were kind of like, this is what you have to do to be a part of this. Yeah. You know, and then they, they went like they went threw away all the books of the great sages and the, everything else. Well, it didn't match up with what they... Paul also has this thing called the Paulinian Cut, and he talked, he predicted that this stuff would happen, too. He said that the, the, the church, the Paulinian Cut, where the church <coughs> would start to... The church is up here, you know, and anyone who, like the intellectuals, the the smaller home churches, anyone who starts who talks about this stuff is down here. And the church up here will only tolerate the people down here so as much as they can absorb them into the fold, discredit them, or completely destroy them. Yeah, that's to stay on top. That's the power issue. But you kind of look at a church as a business here. The first objective, okay, we'll say is to use the expression, get people saved, respond to the altar call, put yeah. them in, take them from one bucket to another, which is a lot more complicated than it actually sounds. Okay, so from there, you, they want membership, and then they want members who are going to contribute. Yeah. And again, if you, have, if you deal with all these other issues you, you we're bringing up, it's taking resources away from what their core objective is. I'm not saying that's the right objective, but I'm right. saying it from a business perspective, it is the objective. 
to other things, and that's and that's kind of that's kind of hard to do. Uh, over at the uh, you know the church you were affiliated with when it was run by another pastor, they tried to kind of create subgroupings that did that, that looked at more intellectual issues and attracted kind of a, a separate group of people. But I, I think that that. I don't know how successful that was, but that doesn't, I don't see it anymore. Yeah. Should, but should that be the case? I know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, as I was hearing, you have, like, three-point sermons. You have, like, a hook line. You always got to tell a joke in the beginning to kind of get people and, like, you know, the idea of knowing your audience. Should you really have to care about that when, you know, it's like, when? why don't you just talk about God? Like well, about pe- it, it, appeal, it definitely appeals to a lower nature. It appeals to a lower emotional maturity level, lower spiritual maturity level. Uh, but, but for somebody that, want, that thinks deeper and wants more, where do they go? What do they do? Right. Like, what's, what's going on? I know going back to the, the teaching you to feel, the church really does a good job at, like, you know, oh, you got to feel, 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 but nobody wants to get you past that moment. Right. You know, and I've, I've found that they just kind of want to stop you there. Like, in, you know, you can't give the advice to how to how to move forward or how to t- train yourself to or your mind to kind of conquer those. Yeah. Yeah. Things. <clears throat> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we got an hour till midnight and uh, we'll be back in just a second. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. 